Welcome to Tabernacle of Praise, Church of God in Christ, where we believe in encouraging, empowering, and equipping people to live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us now as we enter into our worship experience. We pray that this service will be a blessing to you and your life.
the Spirit of the Lord comes in. Hallelujah. Everything. Hallelujah. It's released. Glory to God. There's anything can happen. Hallelujah. There's expectation when the Spirit of the Lord comes in. And so we just believe God on today. I would like to direct your attention to the word of the Lord on this morning. I certainly solicit your prayers. I solicit your prayers more than anything this morning. Uh, and I'll just be honest for strength. But I just believe that a little bit of prayer, amen, will go a long, long way. And so I solicit your prayers on this morning. From the book of St. Mark, the 14th chapter like to take our thought this morning verses three through nine and then a parallel scripture uh saint john chapter 12 verses one through eight and we'll use that as a backdrop for what it would be that i believe the lord would like for us to share this morning amen and i just believe that god's directed this toward someone on today this is not just me sowing seed and going in, going in every direction, falling on good ground and stony ground and, and thorny ground. This is an arrow shot right straight to the heart of whomever God has purposed this for on this morning. And so I invite you to read along with me verses 3 through 9 from the book of St. Mark, the 14th chapter. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste? of the ointment made for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor and they murmured against her and Jesus said let her alone why trouble her she has wrought a good work on me for ye have the poor with you always and whenever Ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. She has done what she could. I want you to remember that. She has done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body for the burying. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And then skipping over to St. John chapter 12, beginning there at verse 1. Then six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, 
I like these stories. Whom he had raised from the dead. There were made him a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, I love the Bible. In Mark, it just talks about Simon. In John, it brings the two together. <laughs> Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Let's you know a little bit more about the connection. Which should betray him? Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said... Not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Look at the two writers. One is so politically correct, and the other guy just tells it like it is. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag. And bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. And the word of the Lord is blessed. I am going to try to extrapolate out of this text and focus in on the per person of Mary and hopefully cause us to see ourselves in some way, some form, some fashion as a modern day Mary. And so would you turn to somebody that can hear your voice through your mask and just say to them, do all that you can withholding nothing spirit of the living God we come thanking you now Lord Jesus for your word oh God we thank you Lord Jesus for God this these stories God we thank you that you have the ability to bring them to life to the point to where we have the ability to apply them to our everyday lives thank you God that even in this passage you use ordinary people, people that we can identify with, folk that we can understand to bring about a truth, God, of what you'd like to be able to perform in our own lives. God, we ask, Lord Jesus, God, that you would touch us in a very special way. Let us not just go through the motions and certainly leave the way that we came, but cause there to be such an impartation today that there's an impregnation that takes place in the womb of our spirit that won't allow us, oh God, to be just the rank and file 
but actually engage, oh God, into an activity of being able to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of us so that it might be used to advance the kingdom of God. God, to be used to encourage, equip, and empower other people to live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. We ask these things and others in your name and for your sake. We say thank you, Lord. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Already shared with you, there's a very, this is a very similar story, but it's, there's two different accounts of it in the gospel. Uh, these gospels take the opportunity of being able to uh, share with us different vantage points. Two people seeing the same thing, but when they begin to communicate what they see, they communicate it to us somewhat differently. And this particular story occurs in three, uh, 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 two of the three uh, writers, but they give different accounts to us. And to get a full picture of what was really happening and taking place, I thought it necessary to gain the account of, of two different individuals because Mark is looking at it a certain way and he's just doing things because he had that type perhaps relationship with the Lord Jesus where John had a much more intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus and he gives uh, probably a much more uh, open emotional account of what actually took place. I mean, he goes into so much detail as to tell us that they weren't concerned that much about how much it costs, whether or not it would be distributed to the poor and so forth. They weren't concerned about that. The concern was that the one guy was a thief and he wanted money in the coffers so that he could actually steal money from the church and there's nothing new under the sun I found that people steal are stealing from God this is I'm taking a sidebar already because Malachi 3 asked will a man rob God <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that but John makes the point in saying that the Bible says, let her alone, okay, against the day of the Lord's burying, has she kept this? And that boggled my mind, and I don't know if I got time to go into all of that, because there was no way for her to know. that Jesus was going to be crucified and buried and so forth. Goes on to say, the poor you have with you always, but me, talking about Jesus, you won't have with you always. In Mark, Mark records, let her alone. Why trouble her? She has wrought a good work upon me. Uh, and in verse 8 says, she has done what she could. And I'm coming back to that. She has done what she could. And she has come aforehand uh, to do this against the day of the burying of his body. Uh, 
And then in verse 9, Jesus makes uh, one of the most fantastic and maybe even surprising statements, at least in my mind when I read it. He says, Verily I say unto you that wheresoever the gospel is preached throughout the entire world, this also that she has done shall be talked about and actually there shall be a memorial as a result of what she did. And here we are more than 2,000 years later still talking about what she did. In one of the passages it states because of what was done some had indignation within themselves. Some had, listen at what it says, they had indignation within themselves. Okay. They were really mad at her and at Jesus. But they couldn't come out and say, I'm mad at you. You know, it's like coming out against the prophet and telling the prophet I'm mad at you you never know what's going to end up happening to you <laughs> and so they were careful not to that but then I, I, one felt well it felt uh, 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 the urge to actually bring it to the Lord's attention and say so you know that this could have been sold for 300 pence and distributed to the poor you hadn't been distributing to the poor You've been padding the coffers. You've been trying to skim off the top. You haven't been trying to give to anybody. But anyway, isn't it funny how, how that in, in doing an evaluation of something, how different our evaluation can be from another person's evaluation? We tend to call something good if it's big. If it's outstanding, if it captures our attention quickly, a good church today is good if it's big in size, if it's got budget, if it's got staff, if it's got a whole lot going on in the way of, of ministry helps. Increasingly, we have come to realize that what is good is not so much uh, how much God would call good, but what man says is good. And, 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 and sometimes we esteem people uh, very highly, glory to God, in our natural, in our normalness, in our humanness, that God doesn't necessarily hold in as much high esteem as we do. And sometimes we're calling good what God doesn't necessarily call good. And what God calls good, we don't necessarily call good. When this woman broke this alabaster box on the Lord, she had committed a social sin. Because women weren't even supposed to be out front. 
like that. They weren't supposed to be trying to draw attention to themselves like that. She had committed a, 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 a social sin. Women in that day, particularly in that country, were to stay in the background. They were never to be the center of attention. And suddenly she does something which is so unusual, so out of the ordinary, so out of the social order that the people immediately begin to murmur among themselves. She has a very expensive box of perfume. I'm not sure where she got the perfume. I'm not sure how long she had the perfume. But apparently there was an evaluation done of it after it was broken. And they determined that it was very, very expensive. It was believed that the value of of the oil in some circles was the equivalent to one year's wages. And so immediately the people began to criticize her. Judas called it a waste. He said they should have sold the oil and got money for it and given it to the poor. He said that tongue-in-cheek. Everybody said what was done was a terrible thing. That she should have been ashamed of herself. And you know, maybe, maybe they were right. You know, when you get real analytical about a situation, what she did was probably the, not the most practical thing that you could have done. Not the most thoughtful thing that, that you would have done. I'm sure if she had a moment to, to stand back and perhaps give it a second or a third thought, she may not have done what she did. Perhaps if she had thought about it a little longer, she would have sought counsel from wise people and who could have tell, told her what she should actually do with the ointment. This way to most seemed to have been out of the ordinary and seemed to have been a waste. It served no purpose. It didn't, uh, it didn't feed anybody. It didn't clothe anyone. It didn't do good to anybody else. It was, it, it was wrong in their eyesight and they were very critical of her in this situation. And sometimes when you do stuff for God, And you don't necessarily sit down and try to talk yourself out of it. And you do it, you'll get criticized too. Folk might think that you're a little out of it. Because you do certain things for the Lord the way that you do. That you give the way that you do. You serve the way that you do. They thought that you're, they think that your time would be much better served uh, doing something different rather than just giving all of the time. And you might think because of all of the public attention that Jesus was getting as a result of such a decision that, you know, he would have been a little bit embarrassed about it too. But then Jesus says something that I find 
at least for me, hard to say. He says, let her alone. She has wrought a good work. As a matter of fact, I think so highly of what she has done until I am going to declare an edict today. I'm just going to speak it into the atmosphere and 2,021 years later, somebody's going to be preaching about the thing that I spoke. That there's going to be a memorial of her. Folk are going to be talking about what she did and blessing what she did for years and years to come. As this qualifies as a good act of service, not because of what men said about it, but because of what God said about it. There's some stuff that you do. Don't worry about what people say. You only need to be concerned about what God says, about what it is that you're doing. Would you just tell somebody, I'm just doing all I can. And I'm not withholding anything. Cause me to remember in the Bible the story about the widow. I just talked about it in the... In the uh, uh, in the offertory. Uh, isn't it interesting that Jesus, the scripture says that Jesus positioned himself. You know, like when we're doing the offertory, we have one of our deacons over here and one of our deacons over there. I don't know what the setup was. Maybe there was just two deacons right here. Then can you imagine if we were doing an offertory and Jesus came and Jesus stood here and beheld how people cast into the treasury I wonder what that treasury would look like it probably wouldn't look like what it looked like today but I don't know I'm just saying And he went down and he stood. But the Lord was watching people give evidently. And he, and he makes the comment that many, because he was standing there, many that were rich gave much. Why? Let's, let me do my thinking, Brother Wilson. I'm thinking that they wanted to impress Jesus. Because that's what we like to do. We like to impress people. We don't necessarily want to do it from a pure heart. We want to do it so people can see it so that we get some credit. But the Lord was watching the people give and he says, you know, some shared some sizable gifts. Now here comes this widow and she decides that she is going to give two mites, the Bible says, which make up farthing. And then we, you know, we, we, we go on and to, 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 to determine that it wasn't a huge amount. It was certainly minuscule in compare, comparison to what other people were giving. But the scripture says that she gave of her want and not out of an abundance. 
And the word of the Lord declares that Jesus said that she had given more into the treasury than all they which had given because of where her heart was when she gave. What's amazing is that Jesus determined that she giving hers was a greater contribution because in the end, you know, whatever God does with it, he has the ability to multiply the seed and do whatever it is that, that he needs. And so the, 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 I just believe that the more that we do, the more frequently that we do it, it doesn't matter how much we do, but we do it, hallelujah, in obedience and out of love that, that God will multiply that seed sown and he will bless you back. He will give you increase so that you have the ability to even do more. Do all. Do everything that you can. This is interesting in that the Lord says that when we do it, whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. I've often thought that it might blow our minds if the Lord would show up in our service. I'm just wondering, you know, how much different would the service be if we recognize Jesus? Yeah, okay. If somebody identified, that's Jesus. How the praise service would go. Whether or not you'd have to pump or prime anybody to bless the name of the Lord. If we knew that Jesus was physically in the building. Nobody would have to tell you to clap your hands. Nobody would have to tell you to stand up. Nobody would have to tell you to open up your mouth. You know, because sometimes we walk away from a service and we do our own analytics on the service. And we say, wasn't that a great service? Wasn't that a nice message? Wasn't the praise team and the music department on point? But I often leave the services wondering if the Lord was really pleased with what we offered. Could we have done more? Could we have done it better? Could we have done it with more intensity? Could we have done it with more passion? Could we have done it with more transparency? And so I often leave and wondering, I wonder how he evaluated that. I know how we felt about it, but what about how he felt? What he thought about it? Did we do everything? Did we? Not the praise team. Did we do everything to invoke the presence of God and to usher in the glory of God? Did we do everything? See, it's one thing to gain man's approval, but I believe that's just another thing. Hallelujah for God to say, Hallelujah, glory to God. I am pleased with that. have him think highly enough of us that he would say to somebody about us 
what he said to us about Mary. Hallelujah. That wherever, hallelujah, you start, wherever you, you start thinking and talking about sister so-and-so, hallelujah, that, 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 that there is going to be a memorial because of how she come into the house of the Lord, because of the way that she served, because of what she did to build up the kingdom of God. I want a memorial. Hallelujah. I am going to declare a memorial over her life. How much work do we have to do? What kind of sacrifice is appropriate in order to get the approval of God? What constitutes good service toward God? How do we evaluate and determine who's a good preacher? Who's a good deacon? Who's a good Sunday school teacher? Who's a good elder? How do we do an evaluation like that? What acts of service defines, watch this, since I hit some titles and you thought that I wasn't coming up your row, what constitutes a good lay leader? According to what Jesus said about Mary and the expectations, watch this, that I believe God has of you and me, the thing that he is asking us to do is all that we can with holding nothing. Why would he ask? Why would he suggest with holding nothing? Because he says in his word that his son, his only begotten son, he freely gave everything to us. And so the least that we can do is to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable form of worship. And you might not be able to do as much as the person sitting next to you, but God is not asking you to do what the person sitting next to you does. He's just asking you to do all that you can. You might not be able to play one of the instruments as accomplished as all of these gentlemen are over here, but he's just asking you to do all that you can. You might not be the administrator that Sister Washington is, have the ability to put on events, hallelujah, uh, 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 do th two or three things all at the same time and be effective. But God is just saying, do what you can. Nothing is not an option. Do what you can. The Lord's not going to judge you on what I do. I have to give an account for the deeds that I've done and that I'm doing in my own body. But how much you've done, how much have you done with the opportunity that God has given you? How much have you done with the gifts and talents and abilities that he has blessed you with? Do you just use them to make you rich? Or do you ever use them to give God the glory?
And so in the book of John chapter 12, Jesus is careful to mention that Lazarus, I was going to just skip over this, but my mind hit the brakes and it came back to in chapter 12, Jesus is careful to mention that Lazarus is present in the room. Now, for those that don't know, Lazarus was dead and he was the brother of Mary and Martha and he was dead for four days and Jesus went to the tomb, called him one time by his name and he got up from a rigor mortis field body and came back to life and was now seated at the table with Jesus and something hit me in my mind when I started thinking about Mary that perhaps perhaps the reason that they were all there in the first place is because this was right after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead and they met to have some kind of fellowship celebration mother Mary and Martha at this point, just let me use my imagination, I'm probably just bursting out with passion and love and adoration and gratitude for what Jesus had done for their brother. Martha wants to express uh, the love that she has for Jesus by doing what Sister Washington does. Just good with her hands. Okay, she's probably the older sister of, the, of all three of them. And it's recorded all the time that she is good with her. So she's just working. She is putting hooking stuff up. She's putting, putting this whole thing together. And just allow me to use my imagination because I can't find it in scripture. So I have to use, have to pray. I ask for wisdom. To help me imagine what must have been going on. Been, when I look and try to find all the pieces that I can find, then I have to kind of ask the Lord to help me fill in the other pieces. And this is what I came up with. Every time you see Martha... Martha is in the kitchen. Every time you see Martha, she's serving. Every time you see Martha, she's event planning. Every time you see Martha, she's administrating. Every time you see Martha, she is, she is, she is, she is in control. She is, she is regulating. She's directing traffic. You never see Mary in the kitchen. And more than likely, I'm almost certain that Mary is the younger sister. The book of Luke refers to the place where they were as Mary's house. Mark says that it was Simon's house. I'm not in the business of arguing with those two. I just know all the principals were in one house. Mary is obviously the younger sister who lives in the shadow of the older sister. Everywhere they go, people are always talking about Martha. And I see Mary wishing within herself that I wish I could do something to show my appreciation for what the Lord has done for my brother. 
she has witnessed her brother being raised from the dead, restored to the family. And, as, and she sees Jesus and she's crying within herself, wanting to know what have I got that I might be able to demonstrate my appreciation. You see, real service for the Lord is nothing more than an overflow of a heart filled with gratitude. And the thing that enables people to really become servants of the Most High God is they have to be grateful for what God has done. They can't take for granted that he blessed me and he saved me and he raised me up and he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Too many people take it for granted and only ask God, what have you done for me lately? And never say, what shall I render unto God for all of his benefits toward me? But when she thought about what Jesus had done and wanting to feel, hallelujah, that she's contributing something. And all of a sudden now she's constrained by the goodness of God to be able to recompense him in some kind of way. Suddenly she remembers. I got an alabaster box. Perhaps she was saving it for the day when she might be married. Or maybe she was saving it for retirement. That was her IRA. The expense of it might be able to provide security for her. I, I, I certainly disagree with the idea that she was saving it for Jesus all along. That's not it. What happened, folks, in a moment when she realized how good God had been and she wanted to give something back, that was the thing that she had. And she didn't give it a second thought. She pulled it out and broke it. And began to anoint Jesus. And Jesus says, I like what she's done. Because she has done all that she could withholding nothing she has done all that she could withholding nothing somebody say that with me i'm doing all i can withholding nothing hallelujah 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 and I just believe that the Lord demands nothing less from us. Hallelujah. He has given us everything. Hallelujah. It's our responsibility to give something back to him. Would you just touch your neighbor and just tell your neighbor, do what you can to advance the kingdom of God. And, and, and I wanted to spell the notion that you're sitting there and you can't think of one, one single thing that you can actually do for the Lord. Let me tell you this. God never saved you. God never birthed you actually and didn't give you something. Something so that you could be a blessing to yourself with it and something so that you could be a blessing to somebody else with it. The only thing that God expects from you is to do what you can huh? and don't hold back.
You might not be able to sing like Sister Niana. You might not be able to play like Brother Glendon. You might not be able to, to pray, hallelujah, like Elder Alfred. But God has blessed you to be able to do something, and you have to do what God has blessed you to do. I'm getting ready to get out of here, but, but God told God, but Moses said, uh, after spending 40 years uh, on the backside of a desert, uh, and God said to Moses, I want you to go, hallelujah, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he went out there, hallelujah, and he, uh, he began to do what God had told him to do. He couldn't even talk himself. He had to get Aaron to go with him to speak and do the, uh, and do the speaking. But when he got back with leading the children of Israel to the Red Sea, uh, glory to God, he asked God uh, while the Red Sea was in front of him and Pharaoh's army was behind him, what are we going to do now? And the Bible says uh, uh, that God told Moses, what is that that you have in your hand? Because we're always looking for excuses. And just let me say this to somebody who has never heard it before. God will never do for you what he's given you power to do for yourself. Stop asking God what we going to do. God told Moses, what have you got in your hand? He says, a rod. He said, well, lift that joker up. Just do something. Do all that you can. When he lifted it up, the sea began to part. The woman who had the little meal that was getting ready to bake a cake for her and her son getting ready to die. She was just telling him, we're getting ready to get out of here. He said, well, what do you've got? Just a cup. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He says, well, get it out. If you bake me one first, I, there's no telling what'll happen. But you gotta do something with what you got. You can't sit and complain. You've got to be able to put into motion what God has given you and do everything that you can with what you have. Too many of us are too practical for me. You're just too practical. You have forgotten that the just shall live by faith. We don't live by what we see. Because what we see is temporal. You're just going through whatever that is. Hallelujah. It is going to change. Hallelujah. You've heard me say before, if you can't change something, just hang on in there. Hallelujah. I'll live it. Because if you live long enough, it'll change. But we're too practical. Real love never holds back. Real love is extravagant. Real love goes all out. Real love gives everything. This woman broke this alabaster box, poured it out. And the scripture says poured it on his hair, on his head, and on his feet. And then took her hair and wiped his feet I guess so 
If anybody did that for you, you'd put their book, their name, in the Lamb's book of life. But the Lord is looking for some people that don't mind doing all that they can to appreciate just how good he's been. Would you stand all over the building? I want to pray. The enemy is doing all that he possibly can to encourage us to do as little as, he, as we can. I am so upset because it's just foolishness to me that the enemy could convince us. This is the big one. I'm going to do the big one first. Convince you. Don't go to church. You're going to catch something. y'all say amen. People listening. But I went to a football game yesterday in Los Angeles, California, and there was 65,000 people. 60. Okay, and they didn't, they didn't drop in from the sky. They went through these little portals. Everybody had to be screened. But they were all willing to go. They had faith in whatever to believe that they would be all right there. We've got to be convinced that we're going to serve the Lord. Not just be saved, because you had nothing to do with that in the first place. You couldn't save yourself, but we're going to serve. See, there's one thing about it. You might be able to out-preach me and out-do a lot of other things, but the one thing that you can't, that I don't believe anybody can outdo me in, you can't out-serve me and you can't out, you can't beat me living safe. because I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what the Lord has done for me. And when you're really grateful, there is no expense that's too great for God. Why? Because now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask, or think, watch this, according to the power that works well. And I'm just believing that God is going to generate a rallying cry. The world has gone crazy. Everything is confusing. taking out entire cities in California. Now a forest fire approaching Lake Tahoe. I feel so bad for the people in Louisiana. I almost feel about them what I believe at some point 
Joe's friends felt about him. Every time they turn around, they're being displaced. And the people that bear the brunt of it each time are people like us. Flooding in New York. There's trouble everywhere. But right before we pray, I want to, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. There's an antidote. And God is not looking for sinners to be the answer. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Stop seeking everything else. Seek my face. Turn from that he's called us wicked. Then I'd hear from heaven. I'd forgive the sin. I'd heal the land. We want to pray that on this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Gracious Father, we come before you, Lord, with thanksgiving in our hearts. God, we realize and know that except you build the house, those that labor, labor in vain, that try to build it, except you watch over the city, the watchman watches in vain because it's in you that we live and move and have our being. And we understand that, God. And Lord, we come before you with grateful hearts. We come before you, Lord, with our minds, oh God, focused on the fact that you've done great and marvelous things for us. God, you brought some of us from the gutter. Hallelujah. And seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Nobody could have done that but you. God, and we're grateful on today. We're thankful. So we're prepared, God, to do all that we can for you. Since seemingly you've done all that you could for us. We just want to recompense you and do all that we can for you. Lord, don't hold anything back. Touch us now, Lord. Touch every stubborn will. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Rebuke every contrary spirit. Cast the devil out of the mind and out of our will, God. In the name of Jesus. Make him take his hands off your people, God, so that we might be free in our hearts, in our minds, in our will, in our determination to serve you. God, we've got it in our minds to do. Some of us have it in our hearts to do. But enable us, oh God, to actually do it. To actually be found doing the will and the work of the Lord Jesus. Give us to know that just being saved is not enough. You've called us. You called us, God, to be servants of the Most High God. You're going to say to us one day when we stand before you, you are not going to say, well done. Thou good Christian that I say that you had nothing to do with you're going to say, well done, thou good and faithful, faith-filled, faithful servant. 
servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. God, that's what we want to hear you say. Touch us now, God. In the name of Jesus, move us, Lord, like we've never been before. Cause us to see, hallelujah, that we're living in the last days. Cause us to know and understand that we're living in evil times. And, and the only antidote in the entire world is me. Hallelujah. If things are going to be turned around, it's got to start with me. So turn me around, God, in the name of Jesus. Have your way in my life. Take control. Be the author and the perfecter of my faith. In the name of Jesus. God, and we'll be careful to give your name the glory. God, we'll give you honor and praise. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for sharing with us. Hallelujah, that we might understand and know where we are and improve. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, somebody, don't be afraid. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus. Celebrate him. C celebrate him like you're going to go and do it. That you're going to get it done. Hallelujah. The world is dying. You're the answer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your great name. You've been be seated for a moment. We want to move very quickly. Man, I've gone over just a few moments, but move quickly into our communion celebration. Thank you for listening today. If you want to learn more info about our church, visit us on our website at www.topchurchlv.com. We hope this message encouraged you to know you can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. Join us next week for another sermon to uplift your spirit.